0: Everyone and welcome to the Geek Rant, episode 292. Did you miss us? Recorded July 2nd, 2017, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the only show on the internet where Geeks rant. I am your host, Mark, sometimes known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroach. and joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, 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 hosts, hosts, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles the Ausigeonier. Wakeham.
1: Hello, gentlemen. Hello, and I am not the hostess with the mostest, but I do try. So It's Q3 Geeks! <laughs> I am a little out of practice,
0: as that intro illustrates. Uh, this is our first show back with you. Uh, we've been gone a month. You haven't uh, missed a show at all. Uh, they have been shorter shows, uh, but we uh, we made sure to make sure that... You made sure that we made sure that that we made sure uh, that you didn't miss anything while we were away. But we are back, um, and we're glad to see you. Uh, Those of you watching on the video, do not attempt to adjust your sets. I am, in fact, this color. Um, My family and I spent the day uh, at a nearby lake uh, swimming and boating um, and getting about as sunburned as humans uh, can get. Uh, But uh, in spite of all that, I am here with you because such is my dedication to the Element fans um
1: and i'm glad all the mistakes are because you're rusty mark and has nothing to do with ours thanks for taking one for the team
0: that's right it's, uh it's all about me um i've always been more willing to take blame and less willing to take credit that's true so uh you know uh seth do anything interesting over the last month
1: I mean, honestly, if I were going to honestly answer that question, I would say, no, I haven't done anything interesting, but since, since I recognized that as a lead in, I did watch wonder woman while we were gone. And I must say, I, I really enjoyed the movie, couple of minor continuity problems from um, Batman v Superman. Um, but they were minor. The movie was very, very enjoyable i i really enjoyed it i think you need to see it i like um i don't know how it's going to tie in to the because it's much like captain america the first avenger it's you know it's like an origin story that only sort of vaguely tied into the uh, universe they were building but um it, actually, now that I think about it, it was a lot like. Captain America, yes. the First it was not only
0: week; just a little bit like it was exact screen for uh, scene for scene reshoot of Captain America: The First Avenger.
1: <laughs> yeah, just about. I mean, uh, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. So, you know, I, I I was like, wait a minute, they're they're both set in well, you know, one was World War One, one was the other World War Two. But it, it was yeah. a good movie. I really enjoyed that. Yeah.
0: The villain at least kept his accent throughout the movie, so there was that. Yeah. Um, I saw it. I enjoyed it. I, it's a it's a B-minus movie. C plus B-minus. It's not great, but compared to other recent DC uh, offerings, B-minus is off the charts good. Um, Seth, you were going to rebut. I could see it. In well,
1: I was going to say, I, I can't give Gal Gadot anything lower than an A. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> so um but it, it does stand head i mean this is a case where being in the dc universe in one hand it lowers the quality but on the other hand it provides such a bland backdrop for this movie to stand out on so you ought to give it an a just for busting out of the pack i don't know I, b plus a minus
0: like like most recent um superhero movies it completely falls apart in the third act there's a good first act, uh, second act is the pinnacle of the movie, and the third act is just a big, ugly mess. Uh, the the big final showdown between Wonder Woman and the the big villain was not only anticlimactic, it was a little silly. Um, but, again, B-minus, C-plus movie, overall, very enjoyable. I'll buy it, I'll, I'll watch it again. Um, uh, my, my daughter, uh, only one of my daughters, the middle one, was interested in seeing it, so my wife and my daughter and I went... Um, and from a, from a father of daughters perspective, very empowering movie, uh, that these women can be powerful and sexy without being subservient. And, you know, uh, honestly, um, I've, of, I've often lamented the fact that, uh, super heroines have to go out and fight in a bikini. Uh, but they actually took that bull by the horns early on and addressed it in a, in a way that was, was satisfying and comical. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Miles, have you seen it?
2: No, I did see the reviews. They I thought the reviews were giving it really high ratings. Like people would love this movie. It was going to be one of the movies of the year. But not not so much that, huh?
0: Well, you know, a, a, again, it's all about what you like. If you're if you're a big Wonder Woman fan, um it's great, you know. If you're a feminist, you can either love it or hate it. Uh, you know, she shaved her armpits and therefore it's not feminist. Uh, she also single-handedly defeated an entire german army but you know that's not feminist enough either so i you know uh it, it all depends on what you're gonna like but yeah it wasn't uh it, it, i think it only was outstanding in the context of man of steel and batman dawn of justice
2: mm, okay well i might i might check it out i'm gonna look for it
0: worth seeing and, and i happen to like bat uh, man of steel I, I'm like the only person in the country that actually enjoyed that movie. It's uh, I really liked the take on uh, Superman as a first contact film, but it was also a huge departure from the typical comic book film. So I understand why other people didn't like that.
1: Yeah, and Ben Affleck's Batman is the best on-screen portrayal of Batman. I think. No question. So to ask. you know, yeah. um, that it, is high praise. I mean, he he nailed it. I mean, you know, the one thing that held Michael Keaton back the most was the fact that he was Mr. Mom before he was Batman. You know, that kind (laughs) of forever tainted his portrayal, which wasn't bad, really. Um, You know, um,
0: but just that movie, both of those movies were going for a more campy, offbeat. Feel it was an and it was a, an adventure movie, but not just a you know a balls out action film. It always had that you know Tim Burton feel to it, right? Um, so I think that held it back from being uh, all that he could have been. There, the Val Kilmer one was so comic book it was just ridiculous. Although Val Kilmer I thought was good as Bruce Wayne, he was not as good as Batman. Um, uh, ben Affleck is both a good ba- uh, Bruce Wayne and a good Batman, and it's it's the older grizzled you know forty five year old Batman, and that's what makes it so good frankly yeah it's not another origin story uh i thought the christian bale batman was was really good too um the the
1: character <laughs> the whole yeah, tr- yeah the the fact years. that the
0: whole you know his whole thing is i'm going to talk gravelly you know um that got old it was it was at first it was sort of a gimmick but it's like you know dude you're batman come up with something to disguise your voice other than you just gargling rocks uh anyway enough about that
1: (laughs) have you seen any of the um funny or die college humor oh yes Yes. batman's where he uh he doesn't kill people (laughs) with with the gun right Uh, there's just some hilarious stuff in those (laughs) so (laughs) if you haven't seen them guys after you finish our podcast you need to go watch one where he uh trying to convince uh commissioner gordon and um his girlfriend that he isn't bruce wayne and batman both (laughs) i'm sorry they're they're just funny you need to watch them okay i'm i've recovered mark you can go on of that
0: and um that that's uh you know there's a lot more i could talk about over the last month but that's good for now um and miles you're uh you're you're looking to move on into your uh cord cutting experience a little farther
2: Yeah, I got the um, email the other day from, no, it wasn't an email, I was just searching the web and I came across some link of somebody saying YouTube TV was coming to my hometown in Phoenix. So I thought, oh, I've been waiting for this, that'd be cool. But, you know, they haven't got the Android TV app for it yet. It's still on the Chromecast only, uh, which is a real pity, but I was encouraged to find with a little further digging on YouTube, uh, sorry, on uh, Google, that uh, they are about to release the Android TV app for Google for YouTube TV. So when that happens, uh, then that completes my entire cord cutting uh, journey, and I will be 100% cord cut.
0: Google has been so uh, schizophrenic about Android TV. I mean, one one quarter they'll be pushing Android TV, and in another they'll completely ignore its existence. Um, you can't buy an Android TV app that isn't running anything, you know, like newer than Honeycomb. They're, they're just the, all the devices are out there are running slow. Uh, even the Nvidia Shield, which is sort of the the darling of Android TV, is running an older version of Android. It's not, um, it's not seven. I'm not even sure it's six. Um, and it's just it's just so weird that the it's 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 Android. It's Google. It's TV. That it's stuff that they want to do. They had the the uh that what was it? it was called the Google Q? Was that what it, whatever it was the round thing? Anyway, it was their TV. there uh, a couple of years ago that they made a big deal at at their developer conference and then completely ignored it. Google's just weird about um, TV for some reason.
2: Well, they've been weird about a lot of things over the years. Yeah, I mean, true. They- they've come out with stuff and dropped it three months later and they do a big rah-rah and get us developers all you know hyped up about something and then dump it because and that's no longer what they want to do it, you're right schizophrenic is a good word for it it's hard to predict what they're going to do but i don't know this one apparently from what i read it was all about money they just had to get all of the channels on board and work out a a remuneration program with them that was going to make sense it seems like they've done that they look like they're uh, 100% committed to it eh, but tomorrow it's a different day who knows
0: there are really three companies that are poised to do this sort of thing and that's Google Android uh, excuse me Google Amazon and Apple um, Apple has been flirting with it for the better part of a decade uh, Amazon has, you know, made a little bit of noise about it. YouTube, Google is really the first one to actually try to do something and they've got the, the, the pockets to, you know, handle the lawsuit stuff. You know, YouTube is, you know, pretty much has a, an entire building at the Google campus dedicated to lawsuit, uh, settling. So, and they've worked that out eventually. Um, so G- Google is the one who could do this best. I think, uh, way better than Sony, but right now I think Sony has the best um, skinny bundle digital thing in the in the available today, and and that's that's saying something. When Sony uh, has the best offering and it's not awesome, you know, um, there's certainly a lot of room for Google here. I'm just not really sure what their point is. You know, is is twenty nine dollars a month or whatever it is going to mean anything to Google
1: in the long run? You are discounting one of the companies, Mark. I'm surprised. Which one? Microsoft. I just don't think they're poised to do it. I mean, but they're th- just not. That's because you, theirs is bundled up in their Xbox, you know, 3.2 squared because we can't be a number behind PlayStation console. But, you know, their Xbox service kind of thing, that's their offering. And I don't know if it's as competitive as Google because this is a world I just honestly don't care about. But, you know... I think they um there are some things that they are doing rather well but again it's all it's all bundled up under their Xbox brand. Right.
2: I th- I think that the secret here is that the providers can decouple themselves from hardware and that would be the solution so right. you could kind of watch on anything. And Google's the closest to doing that but they've got to lose this Chromecast thing to right. to uh, be able to complete that.
0: Until there's a Roku app it's not going to be successful. Uh, Roku is the 800-pound gorilla of of living room media devices. Uh, Sony would like to be. Google would like to be. Apple would like to be. But Roku is. Uh, and, you know, until there's a Roku app, I don't consider it a real thing, honestly. Yeah, and there's,
2: there's no money in hardware. So why right. would they – they wouldn't even want to go down that path. So I think, you know, I look, I'm fingers crossed. I don't know. Maybe – maybe it'll
1: come who
2: knows but you know there's no
1: money in hardware but there is deterring from product switching in hardware if i've got your if i've got your tv and your phone and all this other stuff and i can make it progressively harder but if you know if i have to go on some third party device then i am losing out the customer lock in that you know android and apple have done so well on the phone So, uh, you know, I don't know that there's, it's sort of like the lost leader. It's like the the 35 cent can of tuna fish to get you in the door because they know once they get you, they got you.
0: If anybody was going to be able to do that, it would be TiVo. And they've just been unable to. Uh, Why wouldn't TiVo put their efforts into an over the top uh, uh, cord cutting service? They're already in millions, billions of households. Um, It just makes sense, but they haven't done it. Uh, and, and, and that just tells me that there's, it takes bigger pockets than Microsoft and Apple are willing to throw at it. Not that they don't have the money. They're just not willing to. Google apparently is fine with just crapping away billions of dollars.
1: I don't know. Does it take a bigger pocket or does it take just 20 cents and a paradigm shift? (laughs) I've been storing these up for a month. Come on. (laughs) 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 Um, come and on so, that was a good one
0: I, i'll take your word for it um i know that in that uh in the same vein Seth, you've had some uh some display uh items that you came across and that you're trying to sell and uh, having a hard time
1: doing that uh, yeah you know like i have a 60 inch tv which it looks like my brother's gonna buy and I also have an 82 inch tv because i'm not gonna these people who you know stayed in our trailer and trashed it out you know they left literally crap and it's literal crap in every room in the house that we've had to clean up and so as in human feces crap human and dog and cat okay so um but you know so having to spend the money to clean it up and they they anyway so it's hard to sell it's hard to sell crap i've, I've had them posted somebody did offer me an ounce of weed for my <laughs> for my 60 inch TV. I don't know Cha-ching. if he was being serious or not, but obviously somebody who knows nothing about me <laughs> because that's not a uh, that's not a temptation I've ever had. And So this are these older like tube style TVs? No, they're DLP technology. So, okay. you know, so I mean, they're
0: not, they're not the flat panels necessarily.
1: No, but they're not big, yeah. huge either. At the bottom, there may be a foot wide and then it angles up. And by the time it gets to the top, it's just a couple of inches. And the same thing, it starts about a foot wide in the middle and it fans out to the side and it's like about an inch there. So, you know, but they're, they're 1080p or yeah, 1080p, you know, uh, HD, all that kind of stuff. So, but I mean, like. And nobody wants an 82-inch television. Apparently not. Even at $500. And I put on there, I will, you know, make me an offer. I I would love to have it gone. I would take a few hundred, um, you know, but they have to come load it. I will help them load it. And, and, and of course, the guy tried to offer me that and says it was worth $2,500. I'm like... Maybe three years ago when you moved in, it was worth $2,500. Now it's not even worth 250 So, But yeah, I, I wish I could sell it. I sold an Xbox 360 for $125 with approximately 50 games, um, and I'm looking to sell basically a wall of DVDs for whatever anybody will give me. Fun. So
0: essentially, these people had money for toys but not for rent, is what it sounds like.
1: Pretty much. And then... I threw them off because when I told them that, you know, Hey, no more grace next time you're out, they didn't believe me. And so they're out. And I told them, you know, I own everything in this trailer. You own nothing. Don't talk to me unless you have money. So
0: which under Texas law is perfectly legal
1: because he sent me a text saying, I will be out by such and such date. And after that, you won't have to deal with it anymore. So I talked to our JP and the JP said, since he voluntarily left anything that's left, you can do whatever you want with. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, so basically I'm bagging it all up and throwing it in the dumpster. So fun times. Yeah.
0: I found that out in my college days when I moved out and the slumlord. Uh, came between loads. Like, load one, I was out leaving the house and came back, load two, and was like, yeah, this is all my stuff now. I, what? Really? I said, well, this wow. was the day you were going to leave, and you left. You left the premises, so it's all my stuff. Wow, they
2: have really strict laws about yeah.
0: that in Arizona. Well, I went and checked on it, and it's like, yeah, you gave him a date, and you left the property. There's nothing you can do. Wow. And, you know, of course, he's a giant Richard for doing that, but he was within the law to do it. Not that I had anything of any great value right so it didn't break my heart but still it was just a really i mean i wasn't behind him on rent or anything i just told him i was leaving i was came to the end of my lease and i left and he seized my property
1: yeah no this guy was already 10 days late and and the thing is he came i could tell he came because he got some mail i had opened the door and it, it this was really nice of him he left every single air conditioner fan and light on and you know um for me just to make sure i could see my way around if i ever went inside but i had opened the door guy. and stuck the mail in it and then i came back and so he showed up sometime during the night and took it but didn't see fit to take a lot of clothes or any other personal effects so just weird change people. the
2: locks man i did you know, the locks i changed oh, the, i
1: did i changed it and i'm in the process of throwing stuff away fun times woohoo <laughs> So uh being a landlord not all it's cracked up to be. No, nope. I don't know how you do it Miles. Hats off to you, man. Oh, it has its moments, mate. I mean, I you know what it is? I got I got a really
2: good attorney and he's he wholesales business. So it's really ex- very inexpensive to use him and if you know how the law works and you just provide everything pre pre uh uh, verified to him then you don't have to deal any of it with any of it, but it took me years to get to the point where I worked all that out.
0: Yeah. All right. I, there's a moral in there somewhere. Uh, don't be a landlord <laughs> unless you have a lawyer.
1: Well, oh, really, you know, maybe, you know, we were trying to be nice to the guy. And of course he was all trying to act brokenhearted. And I finally shut him up when I said, we have spent more on utilities in that trailer than you've ever paid me for rent. So shut up. You owe me money. Um, but anyway, I, I could turn this into the, you know, set this tired of being nice to people show, but
0: I just I, I just I don't understand the mentality of a person. It's we've talked about this before. It's the difference between a broke person and a poor person. That is a total poor person mentality when you've got an eighty two inch TV and an Xbox and you can't pay your bills. Mm-hmm. That yep. that's a broke person mentality. I mean a poor person mentality. It's okay to be broke, just don't be poor. Yeah. Uh okay. Moving on along, we do have a little bit of feedback uh, from our uh, listening audience. Um, uh, T says, Hey, Mark, Seth, and Miles, don't worry about pronouncing my name, just call me T. I heard about your tree felling experience and wanted to show you guys this video. Please do not attempt anything you see in this video at home i'm a regular listener from south africa and the video is from youtube but was taken in south africa before being uploaded and shared i didn't take the video and i'm relieved i was not there when it went down keep up the good work guys kind regards t um and i want to say his name but he told me not to so i'm going to respect his wishes and not say his name (laughs) I i googled it and there's like 74 different ways to pronounce this you know we even type how to pronounce um so Surely one of those must be accurate. I could just go down the list and say an alt, but anyway, um, it's a it's a YouTube video. I've actually seen it before um, uh, of how not to take down a tree, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll put the notes uh, in in the I uh, will uh, put the link in the notes, and you'll have to uh, to go watch it yourself. But it's uh, it's a South African uh, uh, fellow, a group of fellows taking down a tree in the way that you don't want to take down a tree, and I'll just leave it at that. Did either of you watch it before this moment? I have not.
2: If I put it on, you'll hear it. And so that's right, going to yeah. destroy the recording.
0: Seth is watching <laughs> it now. I can tell he's, he's got his eyes over on that other monitor. So when, when the punchline comes, you'll, you'll hear him laugh.
1: I can already see the punchline. They, it's set up. <laughs> I mean, it's like.
0: Yeah. See, when I see videos like that, when, when there's a clear establishing shot when when they, you know, pan across a scene and then come back, you know, it says to me either this guy got super lucky or this was planned from the beginning. And this is what it feels like that to me. They're establishing shot there, um, and then the action takes place, and then it just really seems to me like this was probably totally planned. Uh, okay, now this the next bit of listener feedback we have is from Scott, who uh, gives his take on giving. He says, hey guys, a really good episode. I think he's talking about the... Last week's episode, uh, Better to Give. Um, uh, And thank you. I'm aware of and have given to some of these organizations, and I will donate to three more that I'd not heard of before. I want to promote the microloan site, Kiva.org. Loans are in the $25 increments, and they have a wide variety of possible borrowers. You can narrow the selection by several categories. I've been lending through Kiva for many years and relending the money that's been paid back. My total loan is about 170% of what I've actually sent them. Uh, So, yeah, I've completely left kiva and there's a couple of others because uh, i don't really think of those as charities but it's it's a it's a micro loan investment sort of thing but if you're doing what scott does and you never take the money back then i guess by definition that is charity uh so the way that works is is mostly uh third world countries but not always uh it could be just right here in the u.s you go on and you say i need a loan of a hundred bucks to get a new digital camera so that I can get my um, um, wedding photo business off the ground. And I've got this used one uh, that I can buy on eBay and I need a hundred bucks. That's, I made that up, but that's the kind of thing you would see there. Uh, And then people can loan you that hundred dollars and then you pay it back at, uh, usually it's an interest rate, something like, you know, um, 10, 12%. Uh, it's a pretty high interest loan for the borrower but then the lender gets back way more than what the bank is going to give you you know if you've got money stocked away in a money market you're you're lucky if you're getting one percent like my uh, um, credit union offers an ultra high interest money market account at. two percent interest um, and that's ultra high it really is um, but so you might get five uh, percent back on your money through Kiva uh, and the the middle the ground there is how Kiva Makes their profit, so it's a, like a ten percent loan for the individual. You get a five percent return. They eat the other five percent. Uh, but it's a it's
1: it's a, qu- a cross between lending and giving. I thought Kiva was the one that was like really there was almost no interest, and um, that set it apart from the other ones.
0: Maybe it is. Uh, I just I know that I'm I'm sort of running that whole industry through a single filter right now kiva may be different and I, I would have to check it out but scott apparently has been doing it for a while and considers it uh, a charity and i like that idea it's uh helping those who help themselves kind of thing
1: yeah well, well it, i like
2: the recycling of the money through it that sounds really good
0: right and
1: it is a 501c3 so
0: okay so they're not making any money They are, they're obviously taking some amount of the money because there's operating cost but they're not profiting from it I mean, there's, there's just no way an organization, even if you have a website, you have to siphon some money off uh, at some point.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, and Miles, I, I skipped over something that you wanted to talk about because I'm interested in it. Uh, you, you have found what you consider an alternative to Evernote. Before we talk about that, why do you need an alternative to Evernote? Oh, I just am sick of paying people money.
2: That's <laughs> my enough. tight I you, know, I you know, I was thinking about this over the time we are on vacation. And I sat down and worked out all these little amounts of money, like $10 or less per month that I spend on things I don't need to be spending on. Like my daughter likes her Spotify account. Great. Well, she can pay for that. I've been paying for it (laughs) for years. I don't listen to it. Um, And then Evernote wanted me to upgrade to some professional level. That was another $10 a month. And I'm like, why? And then um, Dropbox was the other one you know, I've got a data center with servers. Why do I need Dropbox? And uh, anyway, one by one, I decided, right, they're all gone. I'm out of here, you know, because collectively when you add it up, this is real money. And so uh, I had to find alternatives for each one. And I found an alternative to Evernote uh, called Simple Note, And I really like it. It's a, It's an app that you can install on pretty much any platform. There's like Linux versions. There's windows mac android whatever there's also a web version and for the features i use of evernote it's great it does the same job so i'm sorry evernote you're not getting any more of my money um simple note it's free works great uh give it a shot all
0: right so now let me attack your position uh politely though um I, i used to be of the mindset of i'm tired of paying for the little things And then later, I sort of shifted into, I now like to exclusively use things that I pay for. Because if you're not paying SimpleNote, if nobody's paying SimpleNote, there is no level of guarantee that SimpleNote is going to be around in the future. And if you've got all your stuff there, um, and as I'm looking here, this looks like a fully hosted thing. This is not something you host yourself. You're relying on a service. The more you come to rely on that... The, the more likely, the, the more you know important it becomes to you, uh, the more disastrous it is if it goes away. So there's a couple of options. Simple Note can now say, oh, okay, this service that used to be free now is no longer free and you have to make the choice again to pay for it. Or they're just going to say, uh, we're done, we fold up shop and walk away. So after about the 15th time over the course of a decade, a service I liked went away. I just, I took the mantra and I've said it many times here, pay for what you like. So I now only use things like Dropbox and Evernote um, for the most part. Now I still use Google Keep and my Google Docs um, because there's not really an option to pay for those. Um, uh, Unfortunately, if you pay for the Google uh, like apps account, you get less service for your money, which is kind of crazy. Paying for it is a punishment. Uh, So that's just I wanted to offer some counterpoint there Mm -hmm. um, to the the always free and you know seth is going to say i'm i'm I've gone back on my roots of being the Taiwan tech, uh but you know it's it's a lesson that I learned, and I just wanted to share that
1: well,
2: let me give some context though i I use these note taking apps for doing very quick you know what you'd normally put on a piece of paper in a notepad and then tear it up and throw it away or shred it or whatever that's kind of my use case for this, so I'm not really. I can't justify $10 a month for something that is effectively a digital notepad that ends up in the trash anyway. In that context, this makes more sense to me. And yeah, if it goes away tomorrow, well, big deal. I'll find something else. There are other options as well, of course. It's not; They're not critical. Um, I will say, though, if you've ever driven down the 101 freeway in the Silicon Valley and you happen to get somewhere down near, I think it's at, uh, where would it be? Mountain View, somewhere around there. Uh, you will see the big Evernote building, and it is massive. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, they're making some money. Well, somebody gave them a lot of money. Um, you know, they're a player in the Valley, and I I don't know. It's not something that I think is justifying that level of income. So I hear what you're saying. I do like to pay for what I use when my use case means it's important to me and it's critical to me. This one was falling into the trap of it not being so important.
0: And that's right. fine. If it's, if it's not important to you, then by all means, use the free and or cheap one. Absolutely. Right.
2: Now, on the, here's an interesting tangent to that. Dropbox. So I've got an Android phone, and uh, I had this interesting experience uh, while I was traveling over the last month. My uh, micro SD card, that it, it's, one of, it's an HTC. You can put like an external micro SD card and boost up the storage. Um, <laughs> it died on me. Right in the middle of taking some incredibly great photographs of Italy and the whole bit, my SD card dies. All my photos lost. That would be kind of a disaster. It's not like you can get that stuff back. Uh, Dropbox was installed on that phone and was supposed to be backing everything up to the cloud. But it doesn't back up or it didn't back up on a frequent enough occasion where I would have had any of my photos. I was losing days of images that i really wanted to keep and uh disappointing because i'm paying nine dollars 99 a month for this thing and i'm thinking well i bought the extra storage so this problem wouldn't happen and it did well i was feeling you know pretty depressed for like an hour or so and then i realized unbeknownst to me google photos which used to be picasa and Mm -hmm. you know they've gone through different versions That was installed on my phone, and guess what? It was backing everything up to the Google Cloud every minute or so. I went on Google Photos after I realized it was installed and tried it, and there they all are. Every single image I took was sitting there in Google Photos, and Google Photos didn't cost me a thing. So to counter the counter of the counter of the argument, sometimes paying for something doesn't necessarily give you what you were hoping for either and in this case that's primary reason why i said dropbox you're out
0: of here yeah i push everything up to dropbox and to google just i have that setting turned on for that very reason uh, neither of the uh, dropbox yeah, back up google photos doesn't give you the original image um it's a, like a five meg Uh, version of it or something like that. It's fine for what most of us do, which is share things online. Uh, It's not going to be good enough for printing, that sort of thing. Dropbox uploads the full image straight off your phone. So if you've got a, you know, 8 million megapixel device, you're going to get that full size image in Dropbox. So that's the reason that I use both services, uh, you know, for that double redundancy. Uh, But you do have to, like, for example, the default setting in Dropbox is only do it when you're plugged in and on Wi-Fi. Uh, you can change those settings, but that's probably what got you. You were traveling, you weren't on Wi-Fi a lot, uh, and it was only it was you know uh, not not doing it because you weren't plugged in. You weren't on Wi-Fi. Um, you can change those settings, uh, but then you have that the, the back issue, uh, a backwards problem of that full size photo that I was just talking about now eating up your mobile bandwidth the whole time. So I think that's a reasonable trade-off that Dropbox made as a company. Um, but yeah, there there is that Google, that free Google Photos thing. You better go grab those because we know Google likes to kill stuff. And right. tomorrow you might get an email saying, uh, "You know, you got five minutes to get everything off," uh, or or not even that. I mean, Google has been known to just say, "All right, it's gone now." Um,
2: we were talking about that before with the Google right. switch, the switcheroo thing that they do, and yeah, they did that with with Picasso. They said Picasso's going away, so we're all freaking out. All of our photos that are up there are going. And it didn't. And the next thing you know, they come out with this Google Photos and the first version was, you know, it was pretty bad. It right. wasn't it wasn't that great. But I didn't I walked away from it at that point. I didn't realize when I went back to it, hey, this ain't too bad at all. This is actually really nice. Right.
0: And it's all part of the Google Plus suite that they keep abandoning. But you can't <laughs> use Google Photos unless you have a Google Plus profile. So it's it's weird that they keep pulling you back in to Google Plus. Mm. Uh, it's like they can't decide what it is. Schizophrenic is, is such a good word for that company.
1: Yeah. Well, they're just more concerned about the metadata of tying you together yeah. so they can know you better. So That's exactly right. Anything they put out in the future, I'm sure, is going to be under the Google Plus profile so they they can know you that much better and just convince you that you don't really need to think or learn for yourself because you have the Googles.
0: Well, and, and as we talk about uh, pay for what you like... You're paying for that Google Photo service. <laughs> You're just not paying cash for it. You're paying for it. As Seth said, they're tracking you now. Now they know what you like, you know, and and they've uh, shown off, you know, the 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 facial recognition, the location recognition. They can they can spot you at a landmark without you tagging the landmark or even not having geo uh, tagging turned on. They know where you were. They know when you took the picture. That's all gathering that metadata cloud, all for the purpose of uh, Google's primary purpose is their advertisement company. Uh, All the other things they are is a subsidiary of fact that they sell ads to people. So you're paying for that service. Absolutely.
2: It's it's so true. I I was sitting at a, you know, um, just an outdoor cafe somewhere in Siena in Italy, just having lunch with the family. And uh, I took some photos because it was a really picturesque area. And next thing you know, I've got Google shooting these messages to my phone like, we see you're at this restaurant. And I'm like, am I? I guess that's what it's called. Um, would you rate the quality of the restaurant? Right. Would you allow us to use these photos to show this restaurant off? I'm like, well, I guess maybe that's my payment, right? Right. It's, it's sharing that information.
0: Yeah, and you are paying a price. And and you just got to recognize what it is. Uh, Dropbox, for example, uh doesn't do that same level of tracking they do some level you know uh it's been widely publicized that they can they can give you your data back if you forget your password which means the password doesn't do any good um you know think about that if anybody can ever help you with a lost password there's no point in having had a password uh for that company uh so you're paying a different price
1: in a different way uh for dropbox it's not a new, it's not a different password, Mark. It's just a back door. It's a golden right. key, not a right. second password. You, your files yeah. are still secure. And, you know, talking about the sale, like I went and got my haircut today and the barber, the I go to Sport Clips and they were like, uh, you need to sign in on this screen and it asks for your, like your cell phone number. So of course I use my home number. And then the next screen says, you know, you can't go on unless you click this box that you allow us to send you text messages from time to time. And so I'm like, sure, text away to my landline <laughs> as much <laughs> as you want. But, you know, they were like, I mean, I just, I hate that. And they're like, trying to pump you for an email address so they can spew spam because i don't want that crap and but you know i i pay for the haircut you got my money quit trying to make me pay again
0: right uh but you know you would pay more for that haircut were it not for those ancillary ways that they draw revenue um
2: that's you know okay so that's um, a load of crap let me let me add to that statement this is an interesting observation um in the United States, you are correct. If you go to Europe, it ain't like that at all. It's at a whole different world in terms of an attitude to payment and personal freedom, and it's really refreshing. You you sit on a train anywhere from, I don't know, one end of the country to another, one of those fast trains, there's not one billboard or ad in the train inside. Nothing. There's nothing... There's no one trying to sell you anything. There's no money of of advertising revenue going to the the train. You pay 50 bucks for the ticket, but you get a train ride devoid of advertising. You get to the railway station. There are a few ads, not many at all. It is refreshing, to say the least. Um, And it's noticeably different when you walk back, you come back into the United States and you're at, like I was at JFK. And I'm in this terminal and all I see around me is like advertising on steroids. And it's just overwhelming when you haven't been exposed to it for three weeks. Mm, good point. I know. I, I, I kind of like the European model.
0: <laughs> early on when we were doing ads for the Linux Academy, um, I asked Anthony, you know, are you seeing, you know, uh, people use our code or, or whatever? And he said, well, all I know is that I get more traffic when I pay for an ad on your show. Um. And so that was enough metric for him. And then that's, that's how we know advertising works. You know, those, those billboards, uh, you know, the, the, a guy's, a realtor's face on the side of a bus. We know that works, not because it's been tracked or whatever, but because of anecdotal evidence. When that guy puts his face on the side of a bus, he gets more phone calls. Um, and so what, we've, what they've been trying to do in this country for, you know, the last three decades, really, is to, to quantize that. We want to know exactly who we call, uh, who calls because of that billboard and why, so that you can, not that they can spend less advertising dollars, so that you can target your advertising dollars. That's why, you know, for example, the Super Bowl ads are so expensive because they work and they know that, uh, you know, at at any point in time, a third of the country is looking at that screen for those few hours uh, on that one day. Uh, So that it's a it's a good time with you know you're going to get an audience there and that's why uh google's targeted ads and other people's targeted ads they want to know where to spend the dollar um if if they're not if that dollar is not going to work on the millennials we're not going to spend any money on millennials but we're going to spend it on you know if we're selling depends we're not going to target millennials um i love watching television and trying to decide who they think i am based on the commercials so if I'm watching, you know, a home improvement show that is on uh, Sunday evening, they assume I'm a middle aged housewife, because all of the ads are targeted to middle aged housewives. You know, and if I'm watching uh, a Deadliest Catch on on uh, Discovery Channel, they assume I'm a forty year old fat white guy because all the ads are targeted for the old fat white guys. Um, and so it's funny to think about, you know, who do these people think I am because of the ads they're trying to serve me. But it's all such a big, you know, throwing uh, darts at a dartboard and seeing what happens. And, and p- companies like Google and, you know, uh, others like them are rushing to give, be able to give that pinpointed uh, data because if they can get the you to spend their money, the advertising money on them, then they win. But the fact remains, advertising money is going to be spent, at least in this country. It's a given, uh, without a major social thing. And part of it becomes uh, comes from the fact that we Americans don't want to pay for things. The third-party model is the standard way of doing everything in this country. We want somebody else to pay for entertainment. We want somebody else to pay for our highways. We want somebody else to pay for our health care. The entire society in the U.S., is based on the third-party made uh, model third-party payer model uh, in Europe that is very a di- very different thing and so what you're seeing is the 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 social outcropping of the fact that they have a very different model of, of paying for things in Europe yeah. there are two people that pay for things the you or the government
2: so so let me tell you one observation that comes to mind that, that plays to your point um, we had to fly from Munich Airport Back to JFK. Um, let me explain those two airports. If you've never been to them before, Munich is an airport you could eat off the floor. It is so clean. It is unbelievably well designed. It is absolutely beautiful. And waiting for a plane is a life experience in that airport. In the middle of the uh, with the gate and the terminal we were at. Uh, from what you've got, like on one side of of the terminal, you have some gates to aeroplanes and on the other side you have others. And in the middle, they've kind of hollowed out that area and they give everybody in the the terminal a lounge. And I'm talking like the sort of lounge you get when you're on one of those expensive, you know, the, the Emirates lounge or the Delta lounge or whatever. You go in, they give you almost a chair you can sleep on. They give you the best Wi-Fi I've ever had in an airport. They give you free everything. They even have sleep cabs that you can buy by the hour. You can pay to go and have a sleep in this little lounge area that's free for everybody to use. The trains that get you from terminal to terminal are those maglev high-speed trains. They are so clean, it's ridiculous. There's not one billboard ad anywhere in sight. It's totally pristine, absolutely beautiful. You get on your plane, you get in there, you fly out, and that was your Last memory of where you came from. Okay, you land at JFK, and I don't mean to single JFK out. It's one of the largest, busiest airports in the United States, but it's a zoo. I mean, it's a crazy zoo. I've never seen anything like it in my life. The line for a US citizen to get through that airport took us two hours. I felt like I was on one of those Disneyland rides, mm-hmm. you know, where you're waiting. This took two hours to get through that line. And this is after you go through the electronic, you know, passport recognition and they take a photograph of you and the whole bit. And then after you get through that airport, you eventually have to take, uh, like, this this maze of trains and, and walkways and inside and outside to get to the terminal that connects to your domestic. And when you're waiting in the domestic, we had a five-hour layover. It is, there's nowhere to sit. Everything's broken. Everybody's just falling on everybody else it's 22 dollars for a hamburger and i turn on my verizon which i pay for on my phone to get some internet i turn it on 21k per second speed
1: wow that's so fast oh it is <laughs> and it says it's
2: 4g by the way but it ain't 4g because it's overloaded it's like okay if all of this advertising is generating all this revenue how about you fix the infrastructure with the money but no it's not it's not going into
1: where it needs to go and and that's where i think it's breaking down well see that's because we allow them to get away with that behavior they are conditioning you to jump on their wi-fi so you can be charged yet again but they can get away with it because well you know we provide the 3G and if you have that it's just enough to to tick you off and make you mad it's like you know yeah, i am uh, yeah. i'm so close to buying a new laptop and loading it with like five or six virtual machines and have a different vm for each email and then just have whenever i just want to surf the web and not sign in as anything i'll use the main thing because i'm so sick of this targeted advertising that shows me something i bought two years ago but they keep hey do you want to buy another whatever do you want to buy or i looked at something because of whatever i accidentally clicked on a link because i'm using touch and when i went to scroll i said i clicked on a link and hey do you want to buy mega tampons and i'm like no that was in a news story leave me alone and so (laughs) i'm just like i say okay so miles
0: i'm i'm gonna ask you to conjecture here Mm -hmm. um uh, what what do people of Munich call themselves? Munitions? Uh, Bavarians? <laughs> huh? Bavarians. Bavarians. Okay. So, yeah. is the Munich airport nicer because Bavarians take better care of it, or because they have better staff maintaining it?
2: Both. Uh, there's an attitude of people are extremely respectful to everybody around them. Uh, they're extremely disciplined in the, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that they. They seem to be extremely well-mannered and they pick up their trash and they put recycle in the recycle bin and they do all the things they're supposed to do. There's no questioning about that. I know, it's nuts. (laughs) I mean, who would do that? No, apparently they do that. And as a result, you get a beautiful airport.
0: So I would posit that the... The coarsening of the culture as we've we've seen in the US. And by the way, I love that this was the rabbit we've chosen to chase. We have this <laughs> entire page of notes. Sorry, Seth, we're not going to get to news. Um uh, but anyway, that's just one of the things I love about the show. I would I would posit that the uh the coarsening of the culture and the mindset that somebody else is going to pay for everything are one and the same. That the the concept of individual uh, responsibility um is tied to both of those things i'm not responsible for paying for my whatever for my music for my entertainment for my food for my health care uh therefore i'm not responsible to take care of anything it's somebody else's responsibility um and the the way you fix that is is it's got to be a cultural shift but it's got to start somewhere and i think when you know until Uh, American parents start teaching American citizens the concept of individual responsibility Um, there has to be some other thing to do it and and pay for what you like is a much simpler one sentence way for me to say make America great again by (laughs) by individualizing your own sense of responsibility and if pay for what you like uh, is a step in that direction
2: yeah I think that you're right I mean when people throw trash on the floor because they think they can get away with it, or they think that it's okay because somebody else did it, or their parents never told them not to do that. You know what? That gets on my shoes. I don't like that. Stop doing that. But no, if I I kick up a fuss about it, then I look like the bad guy. Right. And so, you know, that's wrong. I should be not looking like the bad guy. I should be allowed to kick a fuss up about it, and that person should never do that ever again.
0: Like if you're in a store and uh, there's a toddler throwing a temper tantrum, And the mother looks around and says, I'm sorry. You know, I'm apologizing for my child's behavior. That is entirely the wrong thing. Um, You should be sorry. But the person who should be sorrier is the child who's disrupting it. You don't, what you're saying is, I'm sorry that I'm not going to improve your experience anyway. I'm sorry that my child is ruining your experience. And I apologize for the fact that your experience is ruined. I don't want your apology. I want your discipline. I want you to deal with your child. And and, and before I start getting email about uh, uh, kids with special needs and autistic kids, whatever, yes, that is a very small subset of the population for which spankings doesn't, don't work. But for the other 99.98%, a good old whop on the backside will stop that tantrum right there, and you won't have to apologize to anybody, including your kid, because he deserved it.
2: Yeah, I—, I- I think, actually, that's more – you sound more like a European with that attitude. (laughs) That's that's, that's exactly – you know, and here's the crazy thing that I noticed. You know, it is – when you travel and you come back, it's – you get that A-B view, right? And you see things that you don't normally see. You realize things that you just get used to living in the United States, and then they don't appear, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that, right? Um, But what's really bad is that we've got really, really, really well misbehaving leaders, And so as a result, they put a cultural push down to everybody else that it's okay to trash talk and it's okay to disrespect and it's okay to have road rage and it's okay... No, it's not okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. And and I want to live in a world that doesn't consider that okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to form a commission to study this problem and come up with a nice, like, say, 50-question multiple-choice test. And then we require the students to pass it in, say, like, odd-level grade years. Because that way... (laughs) That way, the school then teaches our children how to behave, because we all know that it's the school's responsibility and not the parent's responsibility to make sure that kids learn something. Isn't that why we pay our tax dollars to go for public education? Sorry, I've got to wipe the sarcasm up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, But the thing is, we're assuming that it's okay to let somebody else educate our yeah. kids by paying for it in some education, and no, it doesn't work that way.
0: And once again, we're back to the third party <laughs> payer model. Right. That's I pay your salary, so parent my kids.
1: Um, and no, you know, it is there. It's I, golly, I tell you what. One downside of having a lot of teacher friends, and then make the comment that it's not the school's responsibility to train the kids it's the parents you know it might be the school's duty because you ship them off but it's the parents responsibility to make sure they're trained and you know if if, if you're working three jobs so you can have a boat and have an 82 inch television uh in your uh uh, in your main room, you have a sixty-inch TV, in your bedroom, and a wall full of DVD games, and another wall full of Xbox games, and you now maybe your Just priorities. Just a theoretical example, theoretically, that could cause problems in your house. So, and, and in, if it causes problems in your house, enough houses and you affect society. Just I, I,
0: I talked to a, a police officer years ago. I was in high school, uh, and he was on the canine unit, uh, and he trained uh, police dogs. And he told me that uh, we can't get a good police dog in the U.S. because we have bred aggression out of all the dogs in the U.S. In the U.S., if a dog bites somebody, um, we euthanize the dog. In Europe, if a dog bites somebody, they say, Idiot, dogs bite people. What was your hand doing near his mouth? <laughs> um, and so they have to go to, to Germany, Belgium. Uh, they have to go to those places to find a, a breed of animal that hasn't been euthanized for being an animal. Um, and it, it, I hadn't made that connection until just now, but that's exactly what we're doing in this country. We shout down anybody who who has you know any concept of of personal responsibility, and you know in a sense we socialistically uh, euthanize that uh, strain, and so we're getting what we what we what we deserve.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. And and here's the thing: we we also loved using twenty word or less catchphrases for everything. Sometimes even less than that. Um, 140 characters general- or it's not true <laughs> there you go 140 <laughs> characters right if if the concept of what we call political correctness has gotten to the point where it's just a joke and mm. nobody really played but the problem is that there's it's not a, a pendulum that swings from one extreme to the other it's not like political correctness is really bad so let's all be politically incorrect no Let's be real people and be nice to each other and let's have some empathy with somebody else's position, but at the same time, let's not devalue our own position in doing
1: that. Otherwise, we have nothing to talk about. Um, um, you know, we one thing we should not expect is that people be adults and learn to just keep their mouth shut when somebody says something they don't agree with, you know, I mean, who would want a world where somebody, where a fat person, could endure being called fat without feigning and posting a blog <laughs> ranting um, about how mistreated they were in the world? So, fat person, if you're fat, it's because you go to Krispy Kreme rather than the gym. And yes, I know for point zero seven five percent, it's a you know a chemical imbalance, but for everybody else. You know, quit drinking diet sodas and going to Krispy Kreme and supersizing your uh, Big Mac meal. And then you wouldn't be fat. But, again, you know what's funny? it's funny. And I'm fat. I mean, this is a fat person saying this. So shut up with your social shaming. So okay. And listen, I'm not I'm not skinny at all, but
2: I'm I'm sitting at this uh, table in Rome, and a waiter comes up to us. We ordered food, you know, like spaghetti or whatever, and then it comes around and says, "Would you like dessert?" And of course, my wife wants to have some gelato or something, and so she's there, and we get to the dessert menu, and I'm like, he gives it to me, and he and I said, "Oh, I'll probably have some cheesecake," and he looks at me, and he goes, "No, you're too fat." I'm no, like, no, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> But he was having a joke, you know, and I and it was funny. I didn't have any
1: problem with that. But that's that's the Italian man, way, you know. <laughs> go up to a commissioned uh, retail salesperson and say, um, hey, where's your uh, fat people section? And they go big and tall. I said, no, I'm not going to buy anything unless you call it fat people section. <laughs> and then they're like... Ugh. You can't say fat because that's offensive, but you want to make money and I'll walk out if you say big and tall and you know, of course, no, I would never do. That's exactly, I think what I'm going to start doing all the time now. It's funny. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, and and
0: if you have that, uh, we've transitioned again, excellent pivot there. (laughs) Um, If you have that self aware uh, attitude, uh, people tell you, you know, don't don't say stuff like that like i'll say i'll call myself a fat fat old guy and somebody sitting next to me you know in will immediately jump to the political correct thing and say you're not fat oh okay look there are a lot of things you can say about me but i'm not fat just isn't on that list and let's just be honest here and uh it's like i had okay i'm a racist let's just go ahead and get this out in the in the (laughs) open uh i was sitting in a in a room with like Uh, 14 people. Um, the average distribution was something like, uh, you know, seven whites, two Indians, one Hispanic and one black. It was something like that. And somebody was trying to point out to me the black woman. In every other possible term, you know, with the, with the, with the scarf, you know, with the blue, she's, she's kind of tall and, and she's got shoes on and, and, and was trying to use every description possible other than the black woman, that woman over there who happens to have dark skin. That's the one I'm talking about. And so once I finally realized who they were talking about, I said, the black lady. And it was like, Shh. Okay. <laughs> is it a secret? Does she not know she's black? Is, are we not allowed to say that? Um, And it's just, that is that political correct mindset. It's so ridiculous that you can't refer to, you know, there's lots of descriptions you can use about me. Um, uh, White guy with a beard probably is not the best, most effective one because you're going to hit a fairly large percentage, particularly among millennials these days. But, you know, really tall guy, that's going to narrow it down. Really fat guy, that's going to narrow it down. These are perfectly appropriate descriptions that we're not allowed to use anymore because, political correctness has run amok. And because going back to my original point, we're not willing to take a personal responsibility for the fact, if you call me fat, you must be indicating that in somehow, you know, I'm responsible for my physical appearance. Guess what? I am. Um, But it's not okay to say that.
1: Yeah. If I weigh more than you and your wife, you can call me fat. It's okay. If, (laughs) if I don't want to be fat, I know what to do. I simply really don't care about doing it right now. And you know, Oh, don't you? I mean, I wish I could work out the same way I wish I could get a job. You know, it's great, but you got to do something. So and since I'm not doing anything, I'm obviously okay with being fat. And, you know, sometimes that little bit of body shaming for people calling you fat is enough to make me want to do something about it. Change my fatness, not change the way they call it, you know. The, yeah. you, you calling yeah. me horizontally challenged or whatever, that just makes me want to <laughs> go to Texas Day Brazil just to get fatter to see what else <laughs> you'll say next. I mean, you're challenging me to increase my horizontal, un, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know. Well, we we
2: geeks like science and we like math because it's it's an honest thing that's hard to dispute. Math certainly is hard to dispute, right? You can't argue math. Well, um. I'm in Rome at the Sheraton Hotel. We we, uh, we have one of those Starwood's membership things, and it entitles us to go and hang in the club lounge. So we decided to go up there because it's free food, and I'm a cheapskate. So we're up there having it, and uh, my wife and daughter were in there, and I must have gone back to the hotel room or something, and I came back, and she, they're talking to this lady who was from Southern California, and uh, you know you, you hear the accent, and you're like, oh, you know, someone from from our uh, our neck of the woods, so. Um, she's literally talking to my wife and she's got this like look of shock on her face. And I came in and I was overhearing what they were talking about. And apparently what had happened was that uh, they went to the Colosseum in Rome, which is what tourists do. And you walk around the Colosseum, right? And you see it. Um, Apparently she's there and right in front of her, some guy drops dead of a heart attack. And right in front of her. And then they bring out a sheet and they put the sheet over the guy. And then eventually they bring a stretcher and they take him away because he's dead. And what she said was he was like 500 pounds, walking around the Coliseum. It's hot. Had a heart attack. Dead. And I'm listening to this and I'm going, okay, I guess we can't throw political correctness at this one, can we? Because the guy's dead and... That was why.
0: <laughs>
2: Good point. So, so, I mean, it's not. It's a bit of a. It, you know, it drops out the humor factor in this whole conversation. But it's like math. Two plus two equals four, and no, I'm sorry, it doesn't equal five. And I don't care how you skew it. It's not five. It's four. And what about extremely
0: the- large values of two?
2: Well. We'll go with integers here, right? <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is that, you know, a fact is a fact is a fact, and it's not about correctness and how you deliver the message. It is the fact that is also most important. And, and again, maybe that's a European thing, too. It's more about the fact and less about the delivery. Anyway, I had to add that in. Yeah.
0: I, I was I was looking for some way to to, to tie a bow on this, but I, I didn't. I can't come up with anything other than there. When you travel, miles, and as you're seeing it, you're not just seeing different landscapes and different architecture. You're seeing entirely different cultures, entirely different mindsets, entirely different sets of of social heritage. Um, and I think one of the the things that we could probably all benefit from is a little more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, move move from one place to another. Maybe. You can't afford to be sitting in the Munich airport or in a cafe in Paris, Um, but you could certainly afford to, you know, read a book, uh, invest in some literature written uh, by uh, a European, a a Parisian, a German. Uh, These things will expand your understandings of not only other cultures, but maybe of your own cultures. And some of the best ways to see what's wrong with your own culture is to understand another culture.
2: Yeah, it's true. It's You have to have a wide point of perspective that comes from so many different cultural places. There are, there are over 200 member states in the United Nations. We're one of them. There's another 199 or more that are not the United States that we can go and visit. We're, we've got the wonderful world of transportation and technology available to us, even if it means getting in a car and going to Mexico or go to Canada or whatever. It's not that hard but just getting that exposure to how other people think and how other people act and how their culture works and then you come back and you go i can see some value in that or i don't agree with that or at least when somebody says to me uh topic a i you know they talk about something my frame of reference is wider because i can see that frame of reference from different cultural angles that i was not aware of and, and that alone is the main reason why I spend so much of my time traveling. Um, and, and there's so much of the world I haven't seen, and I want to see it. And I know, obviously, we've got listeners from South Africa and all over Europe and so on who have their, their take on it. And possibly our take on issues that we see are of interest to them because they're not hearing it from their local area. They're hearing it from, you know, a bunch of American guys. And, and that's great. So everyone wins. But yeah, you can't you, you need width as much as you need focus and, and depth on a topic, you need to have perspective that comes from width and most of that comes from travel.
1: No, I mean I totally agree because as you travel you realize that a lot of the truth you know is bound up in your culture and what you and then you intermingle your culture with truth and then you realize, wait a minute. Why do I believe that? I thought it was true, but the only reason it's true is because I'm living in the Southern United States, you know, and then it kind of helps you understand what is truly true, what's universal truth versus cultural norm. And if you don't have any experience to a different culture, you'll never know that. Right.
0: Seth, one of the statements you just said there is something that I say a hundred times a week around my house. You said, why do I believe that? I if I never teach my children another thing, I want them to be able to answer that question about everything. I, I'm asking them a hundred times, "Why do you think that? Why do you believe that? What is what is the truth about that? What? Give me a reason for that." Or we'll look at something like um, my oldest daughter. I've I've been um, it's selfish in her motives, but it works out. Um, she wants me to build her a rabbit hutch because she wants a rabbit, and she's found this rabbit rescue thing where a lady is is holding a a rabbit but not until she gets a hutch built um and i'm like okay i'm happy to do this but i've got this this uh kitchen island that i've been working on for your mom for uh, well probably not working on it's been taking up space in my shop for a long time and i've already missed mother's day uh her birthday is coming up next week i need to get this finished if you will help me with this then i'll work on your rabbit hutch for you and we'll get it done so she's been in the shop with me uh, and it's been awesome. I've I've been getting to spend some time with uh, with my daughter and, and we're actually getting some work done. But every step of the way, I'm asking her, you know, she's, a, I'm, tr- I'm trying to teach her about the tools and about the techniques, but I don't just tell her what, I ask her why. Like, for example, my table saw, um, like many table saws, it has a switch that you have to pull up to turn on and not push down. And I ask her, can you think of why the switch would have to pull up to turn on? Almost everything else, um, you know, you, you would push down or you'd push a button. And she thought about it for a minute. She said, so you can't hit it accidentally and turn it on? Bingo. It, it takes an intentional act to pull a switch up. An accident could push a switch down. So she, it took her a while to come up with that. But I have trained her to think about these things. Today when we were out on the lake, I, I, I asked her uh, to think about the design of the boat. And why, why, can, why do you think it's uh, designed like that? And she'll come up with something, sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not. But I try to lead her in that direction. And when, when we're having discussions about what we believe as a family, what we think about culture, about religion, about language, about food, anything, I always try to, to ask all of them, why do you think that? Tell me why. Yeah, whatever that statement is you just said, I'm not disputing it. I want you to be able to tell me why. And so many people, not just in America, in the world, can't give you the why. They just, you know, somebody told me and I accepted it. And when the world understands the why, the world will be a better place. End of sentence. hmm Well said.
2: Very well said.
0: So you, the listener, a- ask yourself, do you understand the why? Uh, political, po- politically speaking, generally, those on the right side of things can tell you the why when those on the left side can't. And I would have said that was true all the way up until Trump was elected. But now when I talk with my friends on the right, they no longer can tell you the why. Um, you know, when, when I ask about the why of, you know, for example, voting for Trump, they tell me what a terrible person Hitler uh, Hillary is. Oh, so that was a Freudian slip. What a, <laughs> te- a terrible person Hillary is. No, that's not the why. And it's been interesting for me over the last decade, really less than that, to watch that shift go. It's not like one side suddenly can tell you the why and the other side can't. It's like everybody's lost the ability to tell me the why. And, well, and the, you end up getting what we had in this last election because nobody knows the why. The, the, here's the thing.
2: The world is not Boolean. The world is not true or false. The world is not black or white. The world is not right or left. The world is multicolored and multidimensional. And at the end of the day, if you only believe that it's your side or it's the other side that's right or wrong, then you are missing out on everything by myopically just looking at one focal point and it's it's very important for people to realize that mark you you seem to i mean you everyone can have a preference right we can have a preference towards conservatism or a pre- preference towards liberalism or a preference towards anarchy or whatever it might be but that doesn't mean that your preference is the answer to every single problem in the world just as a hammer does not solve every problem in
1: a workshop right it'll
0: solve most of them though <laughs> <laughs> One need only two tools in life: <laughs> WD-40 to make things go, and duct tape to make them stop.
1: Uh, the <laughs> soft rep radio or podcast, you know, their tagline to beginning is "brute force." If it doesn't work, you're not using it enough. <laughs> and I awesome. was like, I love that. That's the best show ever.
0: <laughs> oh wow, what a great discussion, guys! I've missed this. This is why I do this show. Honestly, um, after a week of, uh, or excuse me, a month, four weeks. Of not doing this, I didn't. I didn't miss it, and I was kind of thinking I was coming to the end of the day, going, I, I didn't. I didn't miss this. I didn't miss the the mechanics of producing a podcast. I didn't miss spending my my evenings editing and publishing a show. I didn't miss uh, the the mechanics of of writing the notes and making sure all the scripts are right. But what I missed is this conversation right here, and that's why I do this. And I hope that you, the listener. That's why you come here every week, and I hope that's that's what you um, you know uh, enjoy about this as well. Is this conversation? You're not going to get this anywhere else. Um, and, and some people and are going maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> so thank you guys for, for reminding me what I missed. Um, I, uh, when I, when I when I went away for a while, I forgot and I forgot my why.
1: Um, <laughs> so Seth, tell us what happened this week in history. All righty. So, this week in history, July 4th, 1956, MIT's Whirlwind computer, and I went back and searched, and Whirlwind must have been a super awesome computer, because this is like the fourth or fifth thing about it that showed up in our, uh, this week in history. But the Whirlwind allows keyboard input to the machine. Direct keyboard input on computers debuted on MIT's whirlwind, which had been completed five years earlier. The now common method of input was revolutionary at the time when programmers offered instructions to machines by inserting punched cards and changing dials and switches. Mark, that happened all the way back in 1956. Now back to you. So what
0: is that? 41 years ago?
1: Uh, no, my 60, math is wrong 70, 61
0: years ago. Um, and we're still using it, and there's nothing better so far. Siri uh, and Google Voice, they're trying to come up with something better, but so far, nobody's come up with anything better than punching letters on a keyboard. Way to go, MIT. Mm.
2: You know, what's interesting is that how history repeats, because with the first personal computers in the 1970s, when they first came out, made them affordable, they didn't have keyboards. Like the old Altair... Mits machine that came out was just like little dip sw- uh, not dip switches, little switches on the front panel that you kind of switched into a byte and then put it into memory and then did the next one and the next one. And it didn't happen that they actually had keyboards until a year or so later after it was released. I think it was. Right. So yeah, it's repeating history all over again at the personal computer level in the '70s.
0: And in uh- Somewhere sometime around October 1956, the first case of carpal tunnel
1: was reported. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, because by then it was like, ah, uh, that didn't work. You had to go into and adjust the cable and open up the case, take out the card, flip these seven switches and change the dip settings. So, you know, you got enough <laughs> variance there to keep you good for a while
0: anybody remember irq interrupts having to actually move jumpers on boards
1: oh yeah oh <sighs> dude that was a big part of my a plus examination where yeah. and now oh i couldn't i used to could name them you know and i had a, oh wow i totally forgot <laughs> about that <laughs> you're blowing my mind dude <laughs> yeah
0: now we have a raspberry pi that's a whole system on a chip um i used to have to i i couldn't run my external modem and my sound card at the same time because they use the same interrupt and i didn't have any more
1: yeah and you would have to change these um change the slot it was in because the slots would determine the uh, the yeah. irq settings if it didn't work then you would have to you know it, it's like uh, you know it's like a game of mix and match okay try the uh try the the mouse card which remember when mice were an additional card and then you had your sound card and then your video card okay nope let's switch the sound and the mice oh wait no we got to switch the video and the printer and fun fun times man used to come make a (laughs) lot of money being in computer repair and yeah. now it's just hey Siri how do I you know get rid yeah. of Apple or something like that
0: Now now you computer repair means replacing a broken iPhone screen pretty much all right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this uh, return to form. I certainly did. Um, and before Seth brings us his show closing spectacular, I will tell you how you can contact us and give us feedback. Go to elementop.com uh, and click the contact us button at the top of the page. Answer the world's hardest captcha. Fill out the form there that sends me a message. It gets priority in my inbox. Uh, or you can send an email to Grant at elementop.com. We'll all three get that. Or you can leave a voicemail at 559 IMOP. And uh, your voice can appear right alongside ours on the show. Now, Seth, what do you have to lower my productivity this week on a holiday week already uh, so that you look like a better
1: hiring option? Okay, this could really do it. This is seat14c.com. And here is the prompt. At 4.58 a.m. on June 28, 2017, passengers on board ANA Flight 008 on route from Tokyo to San Francisco are cruising at an altitude of 37,000 feet, approximately 1,500 nautical miles off the west coast of the United States, when the following apparently unremarkable incidents occur. 26A, earbuds in, mouth open, leaning against the window, shifts in her sleep. 4C, halfway through the first episode of Westworld, is slightly confused and 19B coughs. Almost a non-cough as if simply pretending to cough. ANA Flight Double O Eight then passes through a temporary wrinkle in the local region of space-time. Experienced inside the cabin has a barely perceptible bout of turbulence. Beverage services continues uninterrupted. The in-flight movie glitches then resumes. As the Boeing 777 descends through the clouds for its approach into San Francisco Airport, only a few of the passengers suspect they have arrived at the wrong destination, which is incorrect. Sort of. They have arrived at San Francisco International Airport on June 28th, 2037. The Wrinkle has transported them 20 years into the future. And so you go to this website. There are these different seats you can click on, and some of them are open. It's kind of like a contest to write science fiction short stories about time travel. And I've only read a couple of them, but they're kind of interesting takes on what happens if you suddenly find yourself 20 years into the future one what does the future look like how do you deal with it it's kind of just like up to the writer on what aspect they want to um, address but you can read those short stories and interesting so you know maybe some of them aren't good or bad but they're kind of interesting
0: are you still there did I illusion? Alright, I tried to wait him out. I couldn't do it. We as if on cue. Um it's eight PM Central Time and oh, it we is. lost Seth. It's exactly uh, on the again. dot. Yes.
2: Man, uh, you can sit your watch by it.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> uh so Okay, am I back now? We'll, oh I'm not even gonna edit that out. I'm just gonna leave that. The, the the mystery of the future, will we figure out why Seth loses his connection every night at eight PM Central Time? I think um, he's back. Yeah, well, he he's back? back in in the hangouts, but so there we go.
1: Uh, welcome back, Seth. It's it's eight o'clock. I told uh, I <laughs> forgot about that, man. I yeah, crap. It, well, basically, uh. I just read kind of the prompt of what happens. Um, right.
0: Yeah, we got we got most of it. Okay, so. That does it's- sound interesting, uh, and uh, soliciting people to write their own. Well, I-, I did want to f- follow up very briefly. Um, the uh, Fill the Oceans app, that or website that you talked about, oh sometime in one of our pre-recorded, I don't remember which one it is, um, it consumed me in a way <laughs> that so few things did. And so... You know, I got tired of of just letting it run, right? Because you can click and make and speed things right. up. Um, uh, like I think every click is something like five um, percent of what you're what you're getting per second. Um, and so I, I'm not proud of this. Uh, but in my spare time, one afternoon, I wrote a computer script that clicks that stupid drop twenty times per second. <laughs> 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 you know, but and so. I let it run 24 7, clicking that drop 20 times per second. Um, I have filled the earth um, and now, uh, and I filled the alien ocean, and now my goal is to max out all the upgrades i'm at uh f- like 445 of 447 or something like that and i'm actually spending more money on upgrades than i than it, or more drops than it would take to fill the ocean but i'm dang it i'm gonna do it so i'm letting this thing run 24 <laughs> hours a day seven days a week burning up my cpu processing time with a script that clicks the drop 20 times per second because i'm obsessed with this stupid thing and so Seth, okay, my, you have my question lowered for my productivity. you have
1: you spent your know-how <laughs> any at any point i now have bought all of them. okay i i own all the know-how on the board. okay because like i i got like maybe a quarter of the way trying to feel the ocean because i never bought and then once i bought the know-how it took me like less than an hour to do what i had right. everything well, I goes like way faster, a month yeah. and i was like i hate you <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah
0: i currently have something like 118 million no uh experience points built up because i can't buy anything right. else. Um, and uh, I have 450 of like the top five items because uh, I, I, my experience is it's like somewhere between 400 and 450 maybe 420 I'm not sure somewhere around there uh, is when you get the things and so my goal is to see if I can get to 450 on all of them but at some point because it, it only takes 150 decillion drops to fill the alien ocean right. but some of the, the upgrades are going to be like 400 undecillion uh, uh, drops okay. to buy them
1: but if you spend your know how and do the know how thing even though you don't have anything left to buy it will still speed up how fast it all happens because when but i but
0: how can i buy what what can i buy if i If i mean i can't click on anything when i go to that but screen. you
1: just go click on that button that says use know how i don't remember because i i quit because i I, f- I filled the ocean and was like into the alien one and then i was just like okay i'm done and I, I haven't looked at it since but you can go in and then use your experience and it changes your experience back down to zero and then it'll take you like in no time to get back to where right. you were so, yes, but hey, you know, just too bad you didn't do it at work. That's right.
0: No, it's it's running here on this computer. It's not running right now. I have to turn it off to do the show. But I'm at 95% of my uh, productivity for up to seven days now. So it doesn't bother me to close the thing. Right. But I, I don't get the clicks. 20 times per second was the fastest I could get my machine to respond. <laughs> awesome. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't go to fill don't do it don't go to fill dot i
1: double dog don't dare do you to do it don't do it i triple dog dare you oh look out
0: all right um that's it good night everybody see you later toodaloo bye We're remember back. pay for what you like and know your why